You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody, it's time for the flagship podcast. Hopefully you're filling out your NCAA tournament brackets and listening to myself, Chip Brown, columnist, Horns247.com, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns247.com, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, have you filled out your NCAA tournament bracket? I have not yet, Chip, but any of our listeners that uh, are members at Horns 24-7, make sure you look at the Horns 24-7 pool bracket and enter it there so you can compete against me and Chip. Um, I have yet to fill mine out, though, Chip. Um, So I think I'm usually like the last second type of person that fills it out, you know, right before the deadline on Thursday, just so I get all of the information for me to not do a good bracket, you know, like how it usually ends up. Right. Right. Oh, totally overthink it and then be like out in the first round. Yeah, I'm, I'm not very good at brackets. And I, I have no problem admitting that. It's just not my my thing. I don't know. I just didn't get the the blessing of a, of a gift of predicting NCAA tournament brackets. So. Well, yeah, get into that Horns 24-7 bracket challenge because if you fill out a men's and a women's bracket, you're eligible for a new Nissan Frontier, right? Yes, that is true. Yeah, it's part of CBS Sports Bracket Games. Um, If you fill out both the men's and the women's, you're automatically entered in for a chance to win a new Frontier. If you don't want to do both, uh, fill out the men's bracket um, or the women's bracket, and the winner will receive a uh, trip to the Final Four for next year for the respective leagues, whether it's men's or women's that you choose. So a lot of options, but there's a, a lot online. And then bragging rights in case... Our members uh, and listeners decide to destroy all of us because that could happen very easily, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's a lot on the line here. I mean, Absolutely. a trip to the Final Four next year, a Nissan Frontier, bragging rights. I mean, we're less than two and a half minutes into this flagship podcast. And we've already given you a chance to win trips around the country, to watch incredible basketball, win a new car. I mean... Aren't you glad you tuned into the flagship podcast? And we haven't even gotten to our spring football talk. I mean, we're one week away from the start of spring football for the Texas Longhorns. We know where the Texas men and women are going in their respective NCAA tournaments. The Texas baseball team is struggling uh, through this rough patch of road games and weird weather at South Carolina and they're playing a bunch of Tuesday, Wednesday, midweek games. Maybe they should have just been playing one midweek game uh, because now they got injuries to deal with. But Taylor, we got a lot to get to. Yes, we do. I think we got to start with some basketball talk. I think we do. I mean, yeah. it's it's March Madness. It is. Um, we're recording on Tuesday of the first week of the NCAA tournament. I mean, we're getting ready to to go nuts here. So let's start with the women because the women won the big 12 tournament beat Baylor ended a 13 game losing streak to the Baylor bears. And then they earn a two seeding in the NCAA tournament. They were projected as a three seed going into the big 12 tournament, but they, they exceeded their, their seeding in the big 12 tournament. And guess what? They got Iowa state's number two seed. Iowa state drops to the three seed. And so Texas, the women end up get this. I mean, the committee doesn't miss a thing. They end up with a possible sweet 16 matchup with their old friend, Kim Mulkey, who left Baylor to take over at LSU took a losing team at LSU, turned them into a 25 and five team. And that would be incredible because Vic Schaefer, ain't scared of Kim Mulkey. In fact, the last time they met in the NCAA tournament, Vic got Kim Mulkey as 
uh, Vic's Mississippi State team went on to play for the national championship. And and then the number one seed in the women's uh, region, that Spokane region, is Stanford, Taylor. And Texas went to Stanford. They are the, the defending national champions. So it it's like, but Texas went to Stanford back on November 14th of this year. And Rory Harmon, Big 12 freshman of the year, scored 21 points and led Texas to a 61-56 win over Stanford in Palo Alto. So I like this draw for the Texas women. I like I like their chances to to get back to the Elite 8, Taylor. Maybe yeah. more. Well, and I like that the way that they're playing. I mean, this is a fun team to watch and um, you know, they're they're doing the opposite of what Texas men's basketball I think is doing where they're heating up uh, especially at the right time of the season where Texas men's basketball is kind of floundering a little bit. And, you know, obviously Vic Schaefer has proven himself as a coach, you know, in regular season play, but also in postseason in the NCAA tournament, um, as you mentioned, when he was at Mississippi State, um, you know, brought them to a, a national championship in the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, I really, I like what Vic Schaefer is doing with this women's program. And I think a lot of Texas fans are wanting to see, you know, Chris Beard maybe take on some Vic Schaefer mentality and get this Texas men's team going because, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the men's, uh, you know, draw in the first round of the NCAA tournament facing number 11 seed Virginia Tech, which is an on fire team right now. Yeah, that um, yeah, the the Texas women have won 13 in a, or excuse me, 11 in a row. And you love that because it doesn't get any better than, you know, just coming in on a raging uh, winning streak. And, and that kind of leads us to what you were just talking about with Virginia Tech, the team. So the Texas men lose a 20-point lead. Taylor, the men were playing so well in the first half of that Big 12 tournament game against TCU. It was back and forth. It was a good battle. Um, you know, Texas got off to a good start. TCU answered. Then Texas, midway through the first half, can't miss. You know, they hit 12 or 13 shots. They hit six uh, threes. And they're up 20. They end up leading by 18 at halftime. And then, obviously, TCU is like, hey, they're going to throw everything they've got at Texas in the second half. They did. And Texas couldn't get on track. They couldn't find their balance. They just, and still with, I mean, this was a one possession game. We've, how many times have we said this on the flagship podcast with Texas? The thing you like is that they didn't just collapse, although they gave up a 20 point lead. So it's a collapse, but it was a one possession game, you know, down in the final minute and you know Marcus Carr takes a step back jumper in the lane misses with 22 seconds left and then TCU hits their free throws down the stretch ends up winning by five and after the game Chris Beard is you know he kind of eviscerates his team and says we need players who hate to lose more than they like to win and he said I've still got players I'm trying to teach that to and then he says that he's got a bunch of players who think they know the answer, but really don't. Okay, well, to be having that kind of conversation in a post-game press conference uh, as you're going into the NCAA tournament sounds like a coach who's, you know, kind of tired of his team, you know, kind of tired of whoever the players are who aren't listening to exactly what. Chris Beard's been trying to teach him because the one thing you can expect from Chris Beard teams that he, you know, his culture is you're going to be tough minded. You're going to be the toughest mentally and physically on the court. But this was a first year. We've talked about how they slap these players together like a boy band, you know, nine newcomers through the portal and four holdovers. You're trying to teach your culture. There's no one who knows your culture and there are going to be guys who are going to doubt how hard Chris Beard coaches because they haven't been coached that way. Or if they, you know, if they have, 
they haven't won previously. So, you know, he's having to teach a bunch of guys how to win because even under Shaka Smart, they didn't win. I mean, they won the Big 12 tournament last year, but they they didn't win an NCAA tournament game. So this is and then they get this draw where, you know, Texas was projected as a five seed going into the Big 12 tournament. They lose, they drop. And then they get like the most ridiculous 11 seed in the tournament, Virginia Tech, who just, they've won 13 of 15. It's not just that they got hot in the ACC tournament, beat number two seeded Notre Dame, you know, number three seeded North Carolina, number one seeded Duke. They've won 13 of 15. Like they've figured it out. They're a veteran team. They shoot the three well, they defend well. They're, did I mention they're a veteran team? They've played together. It, this is just kind of a nightmare draw. If Chris Beard pulls this one off, Taylor, and he's 4-0 in first-round NCAA tournament games as a head coach, if he pulls this one off, it's going to be pretty impressive that he gathered this team in this week since the Big 12 tournament and got their heads right. Yeah, and no doubt about it, Chip. I mean, this is – when I saw, you know, the draw that Texas got, I was just like, oh my gosh, like that, that probably couldn't be a worse pick, honestly, for Texas or opponent for Texas, because you're right. If you look at what Virginia Tech has been doing down the stretch, not just in the ACC tournament, you know, they're, I feel like they're a really selfless team and, um, you know, go, just go and look at the, the ACC tournament, you know, box score in the stats, there was three different guys in different games that were the leading scorer. And so this is clearly a team that has no problem with letting anybody that's hot, you know, be the star. And they have a lot of, um, they're really disciplined. I mean, this is, this is a nightmare matchup for a Texas team that has been, you know, in the big 12 tournament, the head coach is calling out the players for essentially being, okay with losing you know what I mean I mean I don't I hate to say like calling them losers because he didn't say that per like specifically but essentially I mean I go back to the old saying you know you show me a good loser and I'll show you who the loser is because losing is a choice and winning is a choice and the the problem that Chris Beard I feel like has faced all year Chip as you mentioned too is he not only took over a losing program he also, a lot of the veterans that he did, or a lot of the um, transfers that he did bring in, they didn't come from really successful programs, not all of them at least, you know? And so I feel like there is a lot of a um, losing mentality a little bit that he has been trying to erase and clearly has not been able to do it in year one. Um, I also, you know, I feel like this has been a plague for Texas football in the past too. I just feel like, you know, you have to really, really, despise losing to the point where you never want to feel that way again. And I go, I think of like Joe Burrow, when you look at that, um, his high school, I think it was a state championship game or something that they ended up losing. And he was so angry and you don't see that fire. I feel like in a lot of these Texas players, um, on this basketball team. And obviously Chris Beard sees it even more so in the locker room that they can let that 20 point, you know, lead slide. I mean, Chip, if you look at against against TCU here, Texas in the first half was shooting 65% field goals, 64% from three-point range. Second half, 23% of field goals and 9% from three-point. And it's like, who who that actually knows how to win allows that to happen? You know what I mean? And so this is a, it's a, if it's a tough task for Chris Beard. You know, we had uh, Travis Branham from 24-7 Sports on our interview podcast. And if you did not listen to that, you absolutely need to go back because I felt like he really broke it down a lot. I think a lot of people are questioning Chris Beard right now, but I don't necessarily think this is a Chris Beard issue. I think this is a mentality culture issue. And just like Steve Sarkeesian kind of learned in year one, that culture doesn't just automatically happen overnight. Clearly it doesn't even happen, you know, 11 months on the job at this point either. So um, this is a a tricky situation that Chris Beard is in. And and I agree with you, you know, if he can somehow pull this off, even if Texas loses in the next round, you got to take that as a huge win because they're facing a team that has everything going for them right now when Texas is basically piecing together their team with bubblegum and duct tape entering the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And just an example of what you were talking about with regard to Virginia Tech, they have a guy named Hunter Couture who hit nine of 11 threes in a win over Florida State on January 29th. 
then he sort of lost his mojo from the three point line. Like, you know, went one of seven, um, you know, three of 10. I mean, he, he lost his mojo, but his teammates kept telling him, you're the best shooter in the gym. You're the best shooter in the gym against Duke in the ACC championship game. He found his stroke again. He went seven of nine from three point range. And, and now you look at Virginia tech, they have four guys who can break you down off the dribble and shoot the three. Yeah. And they defend. And so, and they're a veteran team. They know each other. They have each other's backs. And Mike Young, the the coach at Virginia Tech, who used to be at Wofford, is a crafty, old school X's and O's guy. And I just think Virginia Tech is is a really dangerous team. Like I have them, you know, as a threat to go to the Sweet Sixteen and maybe even the Elite Eight. The way that they're, you know, coming together. So anyway, that that is a nightmare draw for Texas. If Chris Beard pulls this off, it it's a success. It's a successful season, no matter what. And I do think right. it's still a successful season because he's building that relationship with Texas students. He's, he's getting, you know, I know they're what three and three in their last six, five and five in their last 10. But after that blowout loss to Baylor in Waco, I like the way Texas has played now, not the entire game. That's the only problem. I mean, Chris, Chris Beard said it the day before the big 12 tournament started. He said, we've played some good basketball. We just haven't played a full 40. And then they come out against TCU play brilliantly for 20 minutes and then get punched in the face the following 20 minutes. And TCU is a good team. Don't get me wrong. They're tested. They, they, they've got good wins. They're in the NCAA tournament. They're a, a team that people are picking to, you know, cause problems in the tournament. And that's the thing about the big 12. You get, you play against such good teams defensively against Baylor defending national champion, Texas tech, Kansas, Kansas is a, a number one seed. Baylor's a number one seed. Tech is a team everyone has in the elite eight this year going up against Gonzaga. I mean, they're, they're tested. And the problem is they're up against a Virginia tech team. That's also tested. That's in the ACC. That's gone up against Duke and North Carolina and Notre Dame, and they didn't get the that you know sort of flaky eleven seed from a small conference. Although those can be dangerous too, but it's uh, it just it's going to be a big big time test for for this Texas basketball team. Yeah, it is. I mean, do you have them losing in the first round? Is it too early to say? Can I wait until? Yeah, until, until we, <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> How about some football talk? All right, let's go to football here. <laughs> baseball, baseball real quick. And we do need to give some love to the Texas men's track team for winning the national indoor uh, national championship. Um, and that incredible upset that they scored in the distance medley relay, Taylor. I, you know, that's like where one guy runs a 1600, one guy runs a 400, one guy runs a 1200, one guy runs an 800. And they were like picked to finish middle of the pack. And this, uh, this walk on Yasin Abdullah ends up, you know, pulling off this incredible upset uh, on the last leg. And they win that distance medley relay and it propels them to win the national championship. And so shout out um, to that, uh, to that relay, because it was Cruz Gomez. You got to love a guy who's a runner named Cruz. <laughs> uh, Willington Wright. He ran the 400. Creighton Carroza. Um, his dad, Paul Carroza, had run techs in Austin forever. And then Yasin Abdullah, who didn't even run track until he was a junior in high school as I said, was a walk-on. This is how good Edric Florial is, the, the track coach at Texas and his staff. Um, they identified Abdullah from one year of work in a, at the high school level, and he comes to Texas, and now he's a national champion. So 
the thing I love about Edric Florial, he's similar to Eddie Reese in that they spend all year working on their times, their times, their times. And then when they get to the big meets, it's just about finishing ahead of the guy next to you. It's just about winning your race. Don't think about time. Don't think about breath. Just make sure that you're ahead of the guy in the lane next to you or running in, in your race. And he just creates this monstrous killer instinct at the big meets. And the women were this close from winning the national championship as well. They finished second. So from where the Texas track program was before Florial took it over, when they were finishing 25th and 34th, now they're finishing first and second. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, right. no doubt about it. And I don't know, Taylor, I mean, if you have a thought on it, it's great. But I know people aren't you know, real familiar with track and what's going on, but a national championship is a national championship. Absolutely. And Texas athletics will take those anywhere they can get, I feel like, yeah. especially when their main three sports haven't won the national championship in a quite some time. So yeah, I mean, that take as many as you get here. <laughs> yeah, the director's cup last year because of performances like this, the national championship in rowing, the national championship in women's tennis. And now here we are, um, with, with, uh, the men's track team winning the indoor nationals and, you know, kudos to uh, Edric Florial and that coaching staff. <laughs> um, Taylor, the Texas baseball team, I'm not going to belabor this. They've, they've run into a tough stretch. They played a lot of games away from home. Uh, they've lost their Sunday starter to Tommy John surgery, Tanner Witt. Austin Todd has a shoulder injury. So there's been disruption to the lineup. They've been playing away from home. And the target's getting bigger on them. And they just need to kind of get back home, kind of rest. And But they're not going to get to do that. They're playing two more midweek games this week against the College of Charleston, staying out in South Carolina, and then the Citadel. Then they'll come home and face Incarnate Word in a series at home. Um, and they need to just kind of settle down, get get some days off, kind of refresh. feels yeah. like they've just been playing too much baseball and it's, it's become a grind um, is what it looks like. And, you know, feels like to me, but yeah. you know, even their, their three game series at South Carolina was all messed up. They didn't, you know, game was postponed from Friday to Saturday. Then they play a double header for games two and three on Sunday, only a seven inning game you know, in that first game of the doubleheader that Texas loses 4-2 and, you know, just weird, you know, weird stuff. Um, I'm not panicked about Texas baseball at this point. No, I don't think that anyone should be panicked about Texas baseball. Obviously losing your Sunday starter and Tanner Witt um, will leave a mark for sure. But I think that, you know, this is, we've talked up the Texas um, pitching staff that they have this season and, you know, it's time for those guys to to take the next step. You know, they have an opportunity here. And I feel like the one thing I do feel like with at least David Pierce, I feel like he really gets the most out of his players um, more times than not since he's been at Texas. I mean, I know that not every season has been fantastic, but it's been pretty consistently good. Um, and, you know, I think that this is the time where, you know, it, it sucks to lose Tanner Witt for the season. No doubt about it. That's that's something, as I said, is going to leave a mark. But it opens the door for some of the other guys to really step up. And, you know, I mean, I do think that this is a deep enough pitching staff that Texas could find a guy that could be a capable replacement for Tanner Witt. But even all that to say, though, Chip, I mean, as long as your Friday, Saturday starters keep doing the things that they're doing well, you know, you you should have an advantage in most games, especially with guys like Pete Hansen and Tristan Stevens, um, those type of players that they do have. So I do think that it, it's going to leave a mark. It's going to probably have some hiccups here, um, but get those out of the way. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, just, I think that this team is still really good and I think it would be way too, way, way, way too um, early to hit a panic bucket button or anything, but you definitely, I, I think you brought up a good point. I mean, playing five baseball games a week, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Especially, you know, back-to-back -back midweek games. And then if you have a double header on Sunday, you're expecting to play Friday you know, you don't play Friday, then you play Saturday, and then doubleheader. I mean, that that's a lot of baseball in a short amount of time. So um, I, I haven't checked the schedule forward. Is that going to continue throughout the season? 
no um yeah i didn't think so once they start big 12 play actually next yeah going into big 12 play so they'll play incarnate word at home then they'll play one midweek game and then they go to lubbock that that's the hard part is that they open big 12 at texas tech you know mm -hmm. here the two teams that are picked to finish one two and they're playing immediately a lot of times you'll see those teams play last you know in may mm -hmm. um and they're they're playing in march so that's the only thing is that texas has they've had to adjust you can play multiple midweek games if your three weekend starters are locked in happy and healthy then you can throw a joshua stewart who's a freshman and andre duplantier and and get a look at these guys but when wit goes down now you're having to juggle everyone's mindset has to change suddenly okay andre duplantier you've got to be the guy uh joshua stewart um Oliveras, you know all of these guys have to have to ramp it up and and they're capable of doing it i think they will but how long does this sort of fatigue from this grind last can they get it together um settle down get get their mojo back against incarnate word and then head out to lubbock um with their new mindset without tanner witt without austin todd and and see where they are yeah yeah for sure all right all taylor right, let's Let's, yeah, let's get to football. I mean, normally we lead with football, but it's March Madness, so <laughs> we're we're yeah, look, we're we're keeping you going, we're bringing you along. A week from today, Texas starts spring football. So Taylor and I have kind of, you know, we always everyone wants to know, you know, what are you most looking forward to? What are you most excited about? What are you most concerned about? So Taylor, this uh, episode of the flagship podcast, we're talking about where the concerns are. Yeah. Some of the biggest questions, um, entering spring and, you know, Chip, I think you and I both agree with this. And I think any, any Texas fan is going to agree. It's, it starts with, you know, who's going to step up in the quarterback battle between Quinn Ewers and Hudson card. I feel like every storyline headline going into spring and probably coming out of spring practice is going to be focused around the quarterback battle. And, you know, obviously um, getting Quinn Ewers, one of the top transfers that was on the market this offseason, you know, former five-star um, prospect and has so much upside and so much hype this year. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how how well he's picked up um, the offense and, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's playbook, because um, that's probably one of the biggest areas where Hudson Card has a little bit of the advantage. But toe-to-toe, -to -toe, I mean, they're they're toe-to-toe -to -toe right now entering this as you've reported, you know, they're, they're co-starters entering spring football. Um, you know, I, the, I think the number one question starts with which of the two is going to be the guy that steps up. Yeah. And from, you know, I've reported in the insider at horns 24 seven that Hudson card is, is up for the competition, um, is helping Quinn yours as much as he can and that it's about the team. And I, I find it interesting that spring football is going to start on the 22nd and then the first weekend of spring football arch manning uh the top recruit in the entire 2023 um recruiting class quarterback will be in town visiting texas so um this is a lot of excitement a lot of anticipation and you're right i mean that is the biggest question mark because um, obviously Texas kind of starting from scratch. Well, certainly starting from scratch with Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card needs to take a big step forward in terms of his pocket presence. I wrote about that uh, in the Insider last week. And, and so from that standpoint, talking about concerns, um, I'll say that pocket presence for Hudson Card. Mm -hmm. He's got to, you know, be willing to, stand in that pocket, step up, keep his eyes downfield and, and make tough throws. We saw him kind of turtle at times, run out the back of the pocket. Steve Sarkeesian is not crazy about the quarterbacks running. So they kind of get discouraged from, from doing that. It just was kind of a, uh, a struggle, but all things that can be taught, learned, 
and gained. I mean, Sam Ellinger struggled with pocket presence as a freshman. He ran out the back of the pocket, took sacks, didn't need to take, threw interceptions, didn't need to throw, got better. Hudson Card needs to take that step uh, at the quarterback position uh, for uh, for the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, and and that's going to be that's a great point. That's going to be something to watch too, because you're right. Sam Ellinger definitely improved more with his pocket presence the more experience he did get. Now the difference is, who knows if Hudson's card is going to be given the opportunity to get that experience. That's you know, I mean, if if Quinn Ewers comes out and shines right away, I. I don't think you expect Hudson Card to see the field very often. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. I don't necessarily think that Steve Sarkeesian wants to, you know, have two quarterbacks playing in games. I think he wants one of these guys to step up and, you know, Hudson Card really absolutely has to. And there is a part of me, Chip, that feels a little not bad for Hudson Card, but I just feel like his development and things like that, you know, his pocket presence was probably hindered substantially more than people are giving it credit for because of the COVID year. I mean, you know, he he was an early enrollee in 2020. He was on campus and then everything shuts down. Spring football's, you know, canceled. He has to go home, um, work from home, doesn't have a normal summer, doesn't have a normal fall camp, doesn't have a normal true redshirt freshman season. And so even though he was a redshirt freshman, quote unquote, last year, he, I, I truly consider him more of a true freshman because he just didn't really get that full year to grasp um, the college game or anything and never really, you know, probably didn't practice much at all either. You know, I mean, you have to think about it like it was Sam Ellinger <laughs> that was on campus and when Hudson Card was a true freshman, clearly no one was going to take the starting job from Sam Ellinger. And then it was Casey Thompson, which third string quarterback gets a ton of reps in practice like quality reps, not a, not a lot. You know what I mean? It's usually one and two, especially once you get into week two of fall camp. I mean, they're not getting anything at that point. So I do feel like Hudson Card probably has been hindered more from a developmental standpoint because of that COVID season. But, you know, the time for excuses is gone, you know, with, with a guy like Quinn Ewers, um, you know, joining the competition, he's got to really, really take a, a huge step. I think if he wants to keep this battle going. Yeah. And that's usually the, the year that you take that step from your first year to your second year, because you've had time to assess where your mistakes are. You know exactly what you have to work on. Um, you're developing, you should be developing better rapport with the players around you, your offensive line. You got talented running backs in Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Jonathan Brooks. You got talented receivers with Xavier Worthy, um, Jordan Whittington, Isaiah Nayor, you know, they've got stuff they got to prove on the offensive line, tight end. We'll get into that. But Hudson Card, with the year of experience in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, should take a big step. My one of my concerns about him has always been his build. He's wiry. He's he's a long 6'2, 200 pounds. You know, Quinn Ewers is 220. Sam Ellinger was 235, you know, more armor for the pounding. And, and so, you know, Hudson Card's going to have to, you know, be a tough guy, even with that wiry frame and, and just, he's got to see it. The offense has got to slow down for him and we'll see if that happens. Yeah. Taylor, what else, what other concerns do you have on offense? Well, I mean, honestly, that goes directly into my concern on offense, which is, you know, can the offensive line woes improve? I mean, um, obviously, Hudson Card was really, you know, uh, I forget the word that Steve Sarkeesian would say. He kind of got happy feet, though, in the pocket anytime that he sensed pressure coming, whether it was actually coming or not. But the on the other side of that, that's because I think he didn't have any faith in the offensive line and at times had a right to not trust the offensive line to do their jobs and protect him. And same with Casey Thompson. You know, Casey Thompson had much better pocket presence. He was much more poised in the pocket. So, you know, he took a lot of licks, though, because the offensive line, you know, wasn't doing a great job in, you know, in the 2021 season. And I guess, you know, Casey Thompson was more built for it, I think, more than Hudson Card because Casey at least could you know, pretty perform pretty consistently well, even when he was getting, you know, um, roughed around a little bit by opposing defenses. So 
Um, you know, one thing that's going to really help either quarterback is better offensive line play. And I think my biggest question is, where does that come from? And for Texas in the spring, I mean, you know, is it is Junior Angelau going to take the next monster step and be just a nasty offensive lineman? Because I feel like we haven't seen I, there's very few nasty offensive linemen play that I feel like we've seen at Texas. Sam Cosme had it. Connor Williams had it. But I just, you know, mentioned two players in a, what, seven or eight year span. If I can only mention two offensive linemen that played nasty, that's a problem. And so I think, you know, Kyle Flood definitely has his work cut out for him. Um, it's not like they added any veteran offensive linemen to the roster from the transfer portal. Um, all of the, they signed a monster offensive line class, obviously during the early signing period and then the second signing period, but none of those guys are on campus except for one. So that's going to be something, a, a huge question. And I'm not really sure that it's going to be answered in spring football personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say my, my overarching concern on the offensive side of the ball outside of quarterback is player development. And with a guy like Andre Carrick, mm -hmm. Andre Carrick played as a true freshman and played well. Um, at Kansas State when Derek Kerstetter got hurt. There was excitement um, that Andre Carrick, who his teammates say is nasty, has the characteristics you're looking for in a left tackle. But then there was, it seemed like there was regression last year. So Derek Kerstetter's gone, you know, um, we don't know if Calvin Banks or Devin Campbell are going to come in and and just blow everyone away and win a starting tackle spot or starting guard spot. But Andre Carrick is now a third-year guy, and he needs to take that step. And then at the tight end position, you lose Cade Brewer. Uh, Jared Wiley transfers to TCU. It's Gunnar Helms' time. It's Jatavian Sanders' time. Player development. How are these players, I mean, how have they been developed since last football season in the weight room, in the meetings with their coaches? They have to take big steps. I mean, they've got a, you know, Cade Brewer, for whatever people want to say, up and down career, injuries, whatever, he was always in the right place at the right time. Whether he was hurt, you know, there were times where he was hurt and they still put him on the field in late game situations because they knew he would block the guy he was supposed to block or be where he was supposed to be. So that now falls on first year guys, first year players, we should say first year starters, whoever it's going to be Gunnar Helm, Jatavian Sanders, you got down the field tight ends and Jaleel Billingsley and Juan Davis, but player development, these guys got to be impact guys for Texas to take that next step. And so I just, I want to see that. I want to see Calvante Dixon developed because I've seen him make some third down catches. I saw him make a really big third down catch at Arkansas. Almost got into the end zone on that play. Um, and, and then, you know, you hear, well, he doesn't get all the concepts of the offense. He's not, not getting the big picture like they want him to. Okay, well, get him to see the big picture. Got a new receivers coach, Brendan Marion. Let him try to get through to Calvante Dixon. They can't just be a three receiver team. They can't just have three guys, not Texas, yeah. not in a state like this where guys are, you know, playing seven on seven year round and excellent receivers like Isaiah Nair are leaving the state somehow, you know, getting away from Texas. Now, yeah. now he's back, but I want to see that player development on, on the offensive side, Taylor. What yeah. About I I agree. Well, real quick, I want to say, and this kind of goes back to, this is going to be interesting to watch. I think Chip too, is it kind of goes back to what Steve Sarkeesian said during his February signing day um, press conference. You know, he was asked about the pillars of building, you know, um, like a champion, I think it was a championship or of a great development program. That's what it was. The pillars of being a great development program. And he talked about the strength and conditioning. And he mentioned that, you know, going into the 2021 season, um, their winner, a lot of the winter conditioning and off-season conditioning program was about teaching fundamental fundamentals and techniques. And, um, you know, Sark was a little surprised, I think, by 
the amount of guys that didn't have the proper fundamentals and techniques. So that was a huge focus of it when they were talking about the functional mobility and all that type of stuff. And I think a lot of Texas fans and a lot of people were like, are they lifting enough weights? You know, are they, are they getting their big guys bigger and stronger? And Sarkeesian said, you know, he admitted that they probably weren't lifting enough, but they had to teach the, the fundamentals and the techniques first before they can move on to, you know, truly weight training and heavier lifting. And so that's been a focus this offseason. So that's a great, you know, mentioning when you mentioned strength and conditioning, that's a great um, thing too. I mean, you know, Tori Beckton, I think, got a lot of heat last season. Um, probably now hearing Sark, you know, talk about why they were doing more functional mobility than anything else. And, you know, the reason behind it, it made sense why they weren't lifting as heavy, but still a lot of people were questioning if he was the right guy or if he was a problem, um, as to a lot of the injuries and, you know, the, the, um, stamina, I think of the teams down the stretch. So that's going to be huge. And I, I think you brought up a good point in mentioning the strength training when it comes to the development, because that's where it starts in the off season. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, I'll go first on this one. Um, I want to see the coaching staff on the same page. It didn't look like the the front and the back of the defense were always tied together. And, you know, I think Pete Kwiatkowski, having not been in the Big 12, and obviously doesn't want to blitz if he doesn't have to blitz, didn't have the edge rusher. Jacoby Jones gets hurt in the OU game. You know, it doesn't come back until the bowl or until the last game of the year against K-State. There was no bowl game. Um, and so, you know, I, I just want to see him and who knows what Gary Patterson's presence as a special assistant to Steve Sarkeesian can do just in terms of coach to coach conversation about, hey, when we faced all these teams in the Big 12, this is kind of what I saw. This is what you saw and making sure that. Terry Joseph, Blake Gideon, um, Jeff Choate, that these guys are all moving in the same direction, can read each other's minds, finish each other's sentences. That's where we got to get to because the talent in the in the Big 12 offensively was too good last year to, to not be that way. And Texas got exposed. Played really well at times. Bizarre you know, in within one game, like Iowa state defense plays lights out. Texas had the lead at halftime against Iowa state in Ames. Does anyone remember this? I mean, it was seven to three and then it was 30 to seven. So the defense played really well at times, not so well at other times. And it just seemed like adjustments communication was an issue like literally getting the information from Pete Kwiatkowski in the box down to the coaches, to each position group. And that can't happen. That absolutely cannot happen. So yeah. that stuff has got to all be, you know, tied up, cleaned up. Uh, that's a concern. That's, 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 that's a concern for me, Taylor. How about you? Yeah. Well, real quick on that, before I get to my main concern is, um, you know, when, when you look at the staff, obviously Pete Kulkowski was one of the last additions to the coaching staff, and he only hired one assistant coach. And so they all were actually getting to know each other. They weren't on the same page because they didn't know each other. You know, a lot of the staff was put together. He didn't get to bring in his own assistant coaches. But now, you know, you can't really use that as an excuse um, entering year two because they had a whole year at least together. Um, you know, I, part of me wonders maybe Pete Kwiatkowski shouldn't be in the box. Maybe it should be somebody. Else. I, think it, I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if they do any changes like that um, from like a, you know, game day, uh, where coaches are, where they're sitting, all of that. That's going to be something interesting later on. But yeah, I think that they weren't on the same page. I think that's a fair statement to make because none of them knew each other. You know, I mean, they had no history really working together. Yep. It's an important point. All right. Give me a concern of yours on the defensive side going into spring football. All right. So my biggest concern um, on the defensive side and going into spring football is safety. I think I've, I've made it pretty clear, you know, um, who will step up at safety? How will the transition of Anthony Cook, you know, moving from nickel to safety impact the depth? You know, I know um, Keaton Crawford, I believe he was one that has moved positions. Um, to safety too. So 
there's a lot of moving pieces in the secondary and in the safety specifically. And, you know, they need that to be improved because that was a huge issue last season. I mean, just the back end of the defense was atrocious at times. And I, and I know I've said that. I know I've been hitting it hard. Um, but I, I said it going into spring last year. You know, I said Blake Gideon probably had one of the toughest jobs out of all the assistant coaches because look at the players he had. I mean, B.J. Foster wasn't even starting in the spring game, you know, um, at safety. They had a receiver turn safety who hadn't played for, what, four or five years and Brendan Schooler that moved back to the position because that's how thin the depth was. The depth still is very thin going this year. So, um, you know, somebody has to step up. Um, but it's a huge question to me, Jeff. Yeah. Jaron Thompson, J.D. Coffey. Those are the guys who have played. Uh, Jaron Thompson has played. J.D. Coffey's been in the system, was a freshman last year and primarily on special teams but again this is an opportunity for them you know you've got you got brian allen on campus highly touted recruit um who we're hearing good things about and and they're looking in the portal so you know could they find someone who's a graduate transfer after the spring um you know steve sarkeesian said they're holding a couple scholarships um, for portal opportunities uh, after spring football. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. All right, Taylor, um, you ready for some love it or leave it? Yeah, definitely ready for some love it or leave it. Before we do get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around because we have some more football and uh, basketball talk coming up in love it or leave it. So stay tuned. We will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? Let's go. All right. My first one for you is love it or leave it. Chris Beard's 4-0 streak in the first round NCAA tournament games comes to an end on Friday against Virginia Tech. Man, I hate to be the pessimist, but hey, Chris Beard, I hope I'm dead wrong on this one. All the fellas. Um, hope I'm dead wrong, but I'm going to have to love this. I do think the four and streak comes to an end on Friday because I think Texas got absolutely screwed on this, uh, NCAA tournament draw. I mean, are you kidding me? They're playing a team that's won 13 of 15 that just won the ACC tournament. I mean, they can break you down off the dribble, hit the three, this guy. Uh, Couture, who's been miserable from three-point range, hit seven of nine against Duke. So, you know, he's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter, and he's not even a guy, you know, he's not even the guy you circle first on the on the scouting report. I mean, it, this is a tough matchup. So I'm going to love this. I hope I'm dead wrong because Chris Beard has been – 
we talked about it last week. He's 10 and four in the NCAA tournament. He got hired at Texas because he's 10 and four in the NCAA tournament. And how funny that Texas will be in Milwaukee. And that's where Marquette University is, where Shaka Smart is coaching. And Shaka has Marquette in the NCAA tournament. I don't even want to bring up if Shaka can win a game and Chris Beard doesn't. The irony would be terrible. Uh, Anyway, Taylor, love it or leave it? I have to agree with you. I have to love it. So you're not you're not the only one that's going to be the bad guy in this trip. Um, yeah, I hate to say it. You know, I think I think Chris Beard's a really good coach, and it's not that I think that the coaching is going to be the reason that they are not going to win the game. I think it's just going to be the players aren't getting it done, and it's really hard to give them the benefit of the doubt right now. As, and that's before we even talk about Virginia Tech. I mean, my goodness, when you mentioned, you know, Hunter Couture, he had 31 points in 31 minutes against number seven ranked Duke, number seven in the country ranked Duke in the ACC uh, tournament championship game. And he's just not the only one they have. You know, they have that. I, I know I'm going to butcher. I think it's Keve Aluma that they have. Aluma. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's, I think, I don't know what his average is, but it seems like he's averaging close to 20 points a game. Um, you know, and then they Darius have Storm. Hit yeah, Darius Matt. With the yeah. three-pointer that beat Clemson, the buzzer beater that beat Clemson, and then yeah. Justin Mutz. Mm-hmm. These guys can all shoot the three, break you down, play good for defense. Sure. Yeah, I think so. This is just a tough matchup for Texas. It's an unfortunate one for Chris Beard, and so I'm going to have to love it in that, that 4-0 streak in the first round of the NCAA tournament is going to come to an end this year. I hope I'm wrong. I'll be happy to eat crow if I am. Right, right, right. Because if if Texas can get by Virginia Tech, then they would play Purdue, which is another nightmare matchup for Texas because they have a seven foot four guy. Texas plays small ball. Their their center is Texas's center is Christian Bishop, who's six seven. Like Texas couldn't have got a worse draw. Now, if Purdue gets upset or something like that, whatever. And, you know, Jaden Ivey, Purdue is like the John Morant of this year's NCAA tournament. Purdue should be amazing. I don't know why they flame out all the time in these NCAA tournaments. But anyway, so hope hope it's Texas and, and Purdue in the round of 32. All right, Taylor, uh, love it or leave it number two. All right, the second one is love it or leave it. The Texas women's team again reaches the Elite Eight. I'm I'm gonna love this. Now, part of it is I was in Kansas City covering the women all the way through their Big 12 tournament title run. It was fantastic. Rory Harmon, Lauren Ebo, Deanna Gaston, and Aaliyah Moore. No one's talking about Aaliyah Moore, but Lauren Ebo, the six foot four senior center, and Deanna Gaston played their hearts out to get Texas, you know, up against uh, six foot six Ioka Lee in Kansas State. They had to handle her. Then they had to play Iowa State, which tried to spread out Texas's big players and wore them out. And it was an overtime game. And Vic Schaefer said, We're going to have to play Latasha Lattimore and Aaliyah Moore against Baylor. He said that in the press conference the day before the title game. And by God, they were ready. I mean, Aaliyah Moore came in, did not back down from Nalissa Smith, ripped the ball out of her hands. I was sitting courtside when it happened, and Nalissa Smith was like, who just did that? Like, who just ripped the ball out of my hands? I ripped the ball out of everyone's hands. Nalissa Smith, the National Player of the Year last year and going to be the first pick in the WNBA draft. And Aaliyah Moore said, I'm – I'm in this. And she scored 10 quick points while Ebo and Gaston were getting rest. And she, to me, was the key because Melissa Smith was in foul trouble in the first half, didn't play a lot. And then when Melissa Smith got it going in the second half, Texas had four bigs to combat her. I just like the way Texas is is getting it done. And Shea Holly is another one. She had six rebounds, three on the offensive end, kept possessions alive. Uh, when you add all that with 
um, Joanne, Alan Taylor, and Rory Harmon. Man, this team is just, they are believing. They defend. They turn you over. I love I love Texas. I hope they do play Kim Mulkey in LSU in the Sweet 16. I think that would be fantastic. And then, who knows, if they face Stanford, they've already beaten Stanford uh, for a trip to the Final Four. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to love this, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to love it too. I think that, you know, um, they're getting hot right where it, when it matters most. And as you had mentioned earlier, you know, they're on an 11 game winning streak going into, uh, the NCAA tournament. The last game they lost was February 6th. I think it was. So this team is really coming on at the best moment possible, um, Vic Schaefer has obviously shown he knows how to win games in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to love it and say that Texas women reach the Elite Eight again. All right. Love it or leave it number three. All right. My third one for you is love it or leave it. The most improved player in spring football needs to be Alfred Collins. I mean... I should probably leave this because the most improved player probably needs to be Hudson card, but you know what? I can make an argument because Alfred Collins is such a physical specimen and is such, I mean, he is what you play with in the NFL. He should be wrecking opposing offenses. He should be the most valuable player on the Texas defense. So, you know what? I am going to talk myself into it and, and love it. Uh, because he's, he is what you play with in the NFL. And we, we've seen glimpses. It's sad that we're now referring back to the Alamo bowl of two seasons ago when he, you know, sniffed out that screen and made that diving interception, um, made a huge third down pass breakup. I mean, he dominated the early part of that Alamo bowl. And I just thought we were going to see more and more and more of it. Um, and so, you know, we talk about how Texas had no pass rush last year. Well, good gravy. How do we get Alfred Collins to be that guy? I I just feel like he should be. So it's probably Hudson Carr, but I'm going to, I'm going to love it and say Alfred Collins. How about you, Taylor? I'm going to disagree with you on this and I'm going to say that I'm going to leave it and say that it needs to be a Hudson card. You, you knew where I was going with that one, <laughs> but you know, I think, <laughs> um, yeah, I just think that right now, you know, the best case scenario for Texas is that the quarterback position is an actual competition and it is a battle. I mean, it's going to make both of these guys better and, I think it's really now or never for Hudson Card a little bit, you know, with a guy like Quinn Ewers that still has four years of eligibility left at the college level. Um, you know, he's really got to step up and and I think he has to be the most improved player, um, not just for himself, but for the the team and for the position in general. I mean, if the quarterback position could get ironed out at Texas, this could be a, a really impressive team this season because there's a lot of talent across the board. There really is. A lot of it's unproven and a lot of it's green and you know there's not a ton of veteran um experience across the board but there is a lot of talent so i think that you know it starts with the quarterback and if hudson card i think he needs to be the most improved player and that's just going to make even if he doesn't end up winning the quarterback battle it's going to make quinn ewers better too you know so i think the better that competition is the better it is for the future of texas football so i'm going to leave that all right all right there you have it kids there you have it um a scintillating episode of the flagship podcast. If we do say so ourselves, thanks for listening. Um, a week from today, spring football happening at Texas. And who knows where the Longhorns men and women will be in the NCAA tournament at that point. Um, the Texas women are playing at home. So they are going to turn out the lights in the Irwin center. And hopefully it's after uh, a first and second round victory in the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, both the Texas men and women are playing on Friday, but the women are at seven. The men are right before that, um, 3.30, 4.30, something like that. So um, 
we'll have all kinds of stuff to talk to you about, but don't forget to go fill out your NCAA tournament brackets in the horns 24 challenge. Just go to the message board at horns 24 seven, and you'll find the story horns 24 seven bracket challenge. Click on that, enter brackets for both the men and the women. Uh, you'll not only be uh, competing for a trip to the final four to each of those events next year, but if you enter both brackets, you'll have a chance to win a brand new Nissan Frontier, people. I mean, we're trying to help, we're trying to help. Now we're just going to let you shine. Um, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Till next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and keep the faith. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.